Hello and welcome back to the Firestarters Podcast. I am Colin, here with Joe. What I do? Today, we've got NBA transaction reactions. Let's chop it up. Welcome to episode three of the Firestarters Podcast. It is Thursday, August 5th at 6.55 p.m. Joe, what's cracking? We're back. It's going to be back. Um, I've been wanting to talk NBA free agency for like the last two weeks. What could happen? What's going to happen? Ooh, I got a lot to get off my chest that we can finally get into it. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling ready. All right, let's uh, get into some of this notable stuff. We had the NBA draft that we need to catch up on. That yep. had, I, I, I'd say pretty surprising picks and then uh, had free agency, which wasn't as wild as it has been uh, in recent years. But there was some some that caught my attention. Yeah, same here. I don't like watching March Madness and then going from March Madness to the draft. You kind of lose guys. So if there's anybody I could actually remember from the time March Madness ended and the draft, it was someone worth noting. I really don't dive into college basketball or draft prospects that much. So when the draft is the draft, I mean, you hear your top, however many that are going to be the lottery picks, and then the other guys are the other guys. So I didn't take too much into account. Uh, as far as how it's going to affect a lot of teams other than like certain guys like Jalen Suggs, Cade Cunningham and stuff like that. So, but nonetheless, we got to talk about it. We got to get it going. Yes, sir. Um, so I believe we want to start with our hometown Milwaukee Bucks NBA champions. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Bucks is six, baby. We haven't talked about it yet. I mean, we've talked about it off the off the air, but man, boy, does it feel good. GA got it done. He's got all the hardware now. They got to teams in the playoffs now have to say they have to go through Milwaukee. Just like they used to say you had to go through Kawhi Leonard because he did it with so many guys. You got to go through Durant and the Nets because Durant did it and all that. Now you got to go through Giannis and, and the Bucks every playoffs, which is such a good feeling because now we got our credit. We did that. We went. We did it. Don't have to hear, man, the 76ers. You got to get through the 76 No, you don't got to get through the 76ers. You never had to. You got to get through the Bucks now. So I like that. Feels good. Yeah, it, it feels like Giannis gets this huge legacy boost because of just this incredible finals run that he had with the 50 point game in game six and he had the block and he had the oop and he just has these iconic performances in, in these crazy finals after a great playoffs, but his hyper extension of his knee and then coming back two weeks later and just dominating. It was, it was a revelation and I I'm just glad he's on my team. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was fun to be down there. Glad I got to be a part of the celebration, Bucks and Six, baby. Yeah, dude, I, I, you forget about the injury, you forget about the hyperextension, and like the season flashed before your eyes. It was like, damn. And then all of a sudden, comes back like Gumby, 
<laughs> and he had like three of the best plays of his career in three straight games. He did it. He's he's the that's the new Superman. It's oh it feels good. It feels good. I'm staring at my MVP shirt right now. Finals MVP. The Bucks in this offseason lost a key piece in PJ Tucker, who was widely responsible for tiring out Kevin Durant. I, I won't <laughs> say locking him up or there defending him. No, uh, I'll fair. just say he, he, he tired him out, so he airballed that last shot that we needed him to miss. That's that's what PJ Tucker did. And he hit a couple timely shots and got a couple timely offensive rebounds, but the Bucks lost him to free agency, Bryn Forbes to free agency, brought back Bobby Portis on a discount hometown deal. Shemi Ojale, Rodney Hood, and George Hill are all newcomers for this upcoming season. What do you think about that? Bobby. Love Bobby. Bobby was one of the key cogs to the entire playoffs. So if you think about the tight eight-man rotation that we ran, uh, you assume Dante is going to be back and healthy by the time the season starts. So we'll be looking at Drew, Dante, Chris, and Giannis with Brooke Lopez, man in the five again at the start of the season. And so that moves Connaughton back to more of the reserve role. He's not going to be playing those upper 30s minutes anymore. Uh, George Hill being back on the two-year, $8 million contract, you don't have to have those heart attack Jeff Teague minutes anymore, which is nice. You got the backup ball handler that we really didn't have for most of the year last year, so that's good. Uh, Rodney Hood, kind of injury-ridden the last couple years, but it's lengthy wing can shoot the ball pretty decently and semi ojale is like pj tucker light baby i don't know <laughs> he does the He's same there. things He's he there. plays defense and he stands in the corner and shoots three so it, it is what it is I, I think the bucks are in that top tier i i mean you'd assume that again lakers and nets are probably the favorites just like their last year but uh, the bucks are in that tier and we'll be in that too again as long as we have that core of Drew, Chris, and Giannis. So. Agreed. I think having Dante coming back will be a welcome addition because in that starting lineup, there isn't going to be somebody that you're looking to like hunt as there was last in the in the finals with kind of Connaughton and, and Forbes when he got his few minutes and Jeff Teague when he got his few minutes. It, he He's a... He can hold his own on the defensive end, and uh, the Rodney Hood addition, again, he could hold his own on the defensive end, which will be nice to have him kind of fill those Bryn Forbes minutes. Um, Shemi, I assume he's not going to be playing in the playoffs. Uh, when we <laughs> I sure hope rotation. not. <laughs> I sure hope not. <laughs> yeah, when they shorten the rotation. Uh, so I think that Dante kind of adds a little bit of flexibility to the Bucks that they didn't have through these finals, which is going to be a little nicer to see. Yeah, he, he's basically P.J. Tucker and Pat Connaughton all in one player. He, he's not the lockdown defender, but he stays in front of guys. He makes the plays, and he'll hit the timely three just like Pat Connaughton was. So having both of those guys into one guy and then still having Connaughton able to come off the bench, it's going to be huge. But we got to get through the regular season, of course. Well, we got to get through offseason first then the regular season to even start talking playoffs and defending the crown. But I like the Bucks' chances again next year. So we can move on to what was 
probably the biggest hype train of the offseason so far, which is the Los Angeles Lakers with minimum deals up and down this roster. And of course, the acquisition of Russell Westbrook, which we haven't talked about. Uh, to kick things off, uh, the Lakers got Westbrook in a five-team trade with Washington, Brooklyn, San Antonio, and Indiana. Uh, Washington ended up getting Dinwiddie, Kuzma, Montrez, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Aaron Holiday, and Isaiah Todd out of the deal. Brooklyn got two second-round picks. San Antonio got Chandler Hutchison in a second-round pick, and Indiana ended up with Isaiah Jackson. Uh, both of the Isaiahs are rookies that got drafted this year. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they really impact this deal at all. But big names are Russell Westbrook landing with the Lakers and Dinwiddie landing with Washington. Yeah. Why do you think they had to involve Brooklyn, San Antonio, and Indiana in this deal? Because it doesn't seem like they add a whole lot and they just get stuff back. I, it's got to do with money. That, yeah. That's my only guess. And I, I'm assuming the Nets didn't want to directly help out Los Angeles. And since they were giving up the player, they wanted the picks, which is kind of why the carousel came in with Indiana and San Antonio getting involved. But most of the stuff really doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't I don't see Chandler Hutchison being a, a key role player on the Spurs, and I don't see either of these rookies, Isaiah Todd and Isaiah Jackson, contributing to Washington and, and Indiana. So we can kind of look over that and look at what else got thrown together around this Lakers team. So just looking at the trade and in free agency, they lose Drummond, uh, they lose Caruso, both in free agency, and then Kuzma, Harrell, Caldwell Pope, and Isaiah Jackson are gone in the trade. So that leaves you with $120 million being wrapped up between Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Russell Westbrook, which is why they signed all these other guys to one-year minimum deals. Uh, you're looking at Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Reza, Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington, Dwight Howard, and Malik Monk all come back on one-year deals. Uh, they do retain Town Horton Tucker on a three-year, $32 million deal, and they signed Kendrick Nunn to two-year, $10 million. Where do you want to start? Let's just talk about their projected starting lineup because we're looking at Russell Westbrook, maybe Talon Horton Tucker, could be Kent Bazemore, could be Wayne Ellington. I mean, who knows, night to night. Trevor Reza, Tre yeah. even <laughs> Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn. I mean, none of those guys have a, like a leg up on any of the other ones. Melo, probably. And then LeBron and Davis. Davis is going to have to play the five this year in order to make some of these lineups work because they're so small and their other centers are Marcus Gasol and Dwight Howard. It's looking weird for the Lakers, to say the least. And I, I give the nod to Talon Horton Tucker, just considering he's the guy that's been around now. He got the deal. So obviously they want to, I would think, want to get him out on the court more than all these other guys that they signed to one-year veteran minimum. But 
yeah, like you said, AD has got to have to start at the five. Or else you're looking at Carmelo Anthony playing shooting guard and starting Marcus All, And he don't play any defense in Carmelo Anthony. So, so they don't got much defense in general out there. Trevor Reza, do you, do you know who he played for last year? I want to say the Wizards. No, uh, Miami Heat. He's been on 10 teams. Yep. He's been with Houston twice, Washington twice, and this is his second stint with the Lakers. Uh, do you know who Kent Bazemore played with last year? The Warriors. Very good. Golden State Warriors. He's been on five teams. This is also his second stint with the Lakers, and he had two stints with the Warriors. Wayne Ellington. Who did he play for last year? The Pistons. The Detroit Pistons. Very nice. He's been on nine teams. <laughs> two stints in Detroit. And this is his also his second stint with the Lakers. And do you remember where Dwight was last year? Yeah, he was with the Sixers. Yep. Yep. He's been on seven teams. This is his third stint with the Lakers. So a lot of these guys are coming back with their second stint with the Lakers, which kind of makes sense is why they're the guys that were targeted and brought in the more veteran players. Obviously, Melo likes LeBron, their buddies, the Banana Boat crew. So that's why he came along, even though they could have picked him up two years ago after his time in Houston and he was a free agent. But for some reason, LeBron didn't want him then. But anyways, you got Russell Westbrook and LeBron trying to play together at the same time. They're two players that do the very, very similar things. What do you think? The fit is going to be so weird to see who's deferring to who at what times. I assume that Westbrook is going to be kind of their regular season, go 100% energy all the time guy. And LeBron's going to be able to take that back seat and kind of let him do him. And almost like load managed during games while Russell Westbrook runs the show. And I, I can see Westbrook and Anthony Davis being like an electric pairing. But it's just interesting because Westbrook and LeBron basically do the same thing and quote unquote play the same position where it's like they're the dominant ball handler and they want to drive hard, kick out or dish to a big. And so... Them playing at the same time is going to be interesting to see who's deferring and if they're cutting off ball hard and like screening away because neither of them really have had to do that in their career. So I'm going to be really interested to see the dynamic between Westbrook and LeBron. LeBron will probably end up doing a lot of deferring just because he's at that point in his career versus Westbrook is still... As you saw with Washington putting up pretty solid numbers down the stretch, he, he can still go night to night during the regular season. But once it comes to playoff time, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of LeBron slowing it down, controlling the show, and we'll see how, how Westbrook can can deal with that. Yeah, he he does what LeBron does. He does it faster. He does it a lot more reckless. But... When it comes time late in games and in playoff situations, he's bad. He is, he's awful in winning moments, which is 
why you've seen Oklahoma City be kind of bad once KD left and it was just Westbrook. He, he doesn't make the winning place. He, he tries to get it all back at once. He comes down, he'll shoot a 30-footer with 20 seconds on the shot clock in a three-point game with two minutes left to go. He, he tries to get it all back in one play. He'll, he'll trap randomly on defense to try to get a steal, just to try to get back in the game right at the worst times. So he loses defensive focus. He roams, he double teams, he traps, he does all this other stuff in unopportune times when nobody else on the court knows it's going to happen. Then he gets burned for it. He has really bad shot selection late in games. LeBron's going to have to trust him at some point, but he's not a good spot up shooter. When LeBron's taking control and running the show, it's going to be another thing. I think it's going to be really ugly to watch. The regular season is going to be the regular season. They basically, like you said, they have him for the regular season, so they don't end up in the eighth seed again like they did this year. And so they don't have to play the extra playing game and so that they're solidified as a top four, three, two seed in the West. But when it comes to playoff time, I don't know. Yeah, we saw Westbrook play with a ball dominant person before when he played with Harden. There's there's kind of a blueprint for that. But when that succeeded, Westbrook was basically playing center. That's not exactly going to work out, I don't think, with this Lakers squad because there's not a ton of shooting as it is. I mean, you can manufacture a lineup that can shoot. Davis isn't exactly a knockdown three-point shooter. He can get hot. It's not like he's knocking him down at a high rate. Mello isn't that good of a three-point shooter. He can shoot deep twos, and he's an excellent mid-range scorer, but he's not spacing the court tht has improved himself as a three-point shooter so you would have to manufacture a lineup where you can run lebron and westbrook as westbrook as kind of like the screener you can put him in the dunker spot you can have him cutting off ball but there's not a clear path to a lineup like they had in houston where it's three shooters and then harden and westbrook you're trying to turn Westbrook into what D Wade was when LeBron was with Heat. Uh, Anthony Davis is much better than Chris Bosh, obviously, uh, but that's the same sort of configuration they're trying to do. In Miami, you had guys like Shane Battier, you had Mario Chalmers, you had Ray Allen. All those guys were good shooters. So when you have LeBron being in charge with the ball, you seen Wade was always cutting off ball. They had such good synergy between each other when LeBron was the main ball handler and Wade was off ball. And Westbrook, you don't see him doing a lot of that too often. Uh, when he was with the Rockets early in the season, he did a lot of it. Uh, but as the year went on, his shot attempts went up every single month with the Rockets. And then by the end of the year and by the playoffs, he was back to the old Russell Westbrook. And so, again, (laughs) I think it's going to be really ugly, and it's hard to say if he's even there by the playoffs. I mean, when you hear that they could have had Buddy Heald instead and retained, I think, KCP, 
I think I would have liked that better than going and getting Westbrook. We both know that Buddy Heald isn't as good as Russell Westbrook, but the fit would have been perfect for this Lakers team. When I heard that Heald was on the block and like the Lakers are looking for him, I was like, ooh, that that's going to work. Because then it would have been LeBron, Buddy Heald, Davis, and then figure out the rest like they have so far with this offseason. And they would have been paying Buddy quite a bit less than they're going to be paying Westbrook. They're going to have to make this fit. It's going to be exciting probably during the regular season. But when it comes down to crunch time and close games and playoff situations, it it could get ugly. There could be a lot of ugly possessions. And nevertheless, Lakers still got LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and that's all they needed two years ago, and they won the ship. So I'm sure they'll be a top two seed in the West this year, barring no injuries, of course. So It's true. Uh, what do you think of the younger additions that they made with Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn? Those are the two that kind of caught my eye. Um, Malik Monk was starting to come on last year as a scorer. Uh, I think that he had some other offers elsewhere for multi-year deals and a little more money, but he's kind of betting on himself with the Lakers and a chance to win a ring. Kendrick Nunn was kind of the third guard in uh, Miami the last few years when Tyler Harrow all of a sudden turned into a point guard too. And of course they had Goran Dragic, but he seemed kind of roller coastery up and down. Both guys offensively, are guys capable of putting up 30 in a game if they have enough shot attempts. And they're two heat check guys. They can get to the rack. They're kind of undersized, uh, but they can shoot the lights out, and they're pretty crafty off the dribble. So I'm sure that they'll be able to run those two, you think THT, Westbrook, Davis, and go small and just run up and down when LeBron's resting and stuff like that. So they, they do have layers to the pieces they added that they can put out some interesting different lineups, but you're mainly always going to be looking at Westbrook, Davis and LeBron to give you the bulk of all your scoring. So it's going to be, is this guy hot? Is this guy hot? Is this guy hot? Which guy can catch fire and make a couple buckets to round out the team's total in points every single game. I I agree. I Excited to see Malik Monk on this team. He he became a pretty good shooter late last year. None can't play defense very well. Uh, Spolstra had him benched in the playoffs most of the time that he was with the Heat. I think some of those small lineups that you were talking about could be pretty fun. But let's transition over to the team that traded with the Lakers. The Washington Wizards, who traded Westbrook for Kyle Kuzma. Trez, KCP, and Isaiah Jackson from the Lakers. Isaiah uh, Todd. Isaiah Todd. They got Isaiah Todd. From right. Isaiah Todd from okay. Indiana. And they also got Aaron Holiday from Indiana in the trade. Then of course they got Kate or Spencer Dinwiddie on the sign and trade with three years thirty or sixty two million. Yes. So What do you think of the haul that they got for Westbrook, who was deemed untradeable? He had one of those contracts that people call untradeable, but really never are, as we've seen with John Wall and Chris Paul at one point. So 
what do you think about the hall? I mean, obviously, you get Dinwiddie. All the other guys are kind of the thrown guys. I'm not big on Kyle Kuzma. Montrezl Harrell is undersized, can't play defense. Um, KCP is a good fifth starter on a team. So uh, you're trying to make Beal happy, and if Beal's happy, Westbrook is gone, then that's the win for Washington. I don't really see them being much better than they were last year, swapping in Spencer Dinwiddie and rounding out their bench. I mean, there were starting guys like Garrison Matthews last year and stuff like that. Uh, they did have a lot of injuries. Denny Advio went down. Uh, Thomas Bryant went down. It's nice to have guys that have championship experience and deep playoff run experience added to the team. And it's nice to get Spencer Dinwiddie. So good on that end. But other than that, I see them being a 7, 8, 9, 10 seed. I don't see them surprising anybody. The thing that they kind of lost is a table setter when uh, they got rid of Westbrook. I mean, Dinwiddie is more of like a kind of a spark plug scorer type of guy. Outside of that, they don't really have a true point guard. They have Rui, who is who's good. I mean, he's not anything crazy special, but he's definitely above average. The backup center whose name I am blanking on, was coming on late in the season. Uh, Daniel Gafford. Daniel Gafford, that they got in the trade from the Bulls. Uh, he was coming on late in the season, and I actually really liked what he was doing in combination with Westbrook. But I'm with Thomas Bryant coming back, his role will be scaled back quite a bit, and I'm sure he won't be as effective without a table setter like Westbrook. So the team... I'd say got worse. I mean, it got more depth, which is good. It'll be able to kind of hold water while Beal is out a little better. But when you lose an all-NBA former MVP like Westbrook, it's hard to replace that kind of production. They did get a lot of names, more name guys. You got players that are known to more of the casual fan rather than... Some of the no-name guys that they're trotting out at the small forward and power forward spot last year. A lot of injuries. Um, hopefully, Beal can stay healthy most of the season. You know, he had the hamstring going into the playoff run, which kind of hindered him in the playing games and in the first round against 76ers. But again, it's going to be more of kind of 75 cents on the dollar with the Westbrook trade and the haul that they got back. Uh, I think Aaron Holiday is pretty underrated. I like him as a backup point guard uh, better than Howell Neto, who they did also resign. But Lakers got the better end in getting Westbrook. But Washington did get pieces. So if they put something together, good for them. The team that traded away Dinwiddie, uh, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, they had a interesting playoff run because of the injuries that they've had. Uh, Kyrie and James Harden obviously went down and were unable to finish the series against the Bucks. Um, people are saying if healthy, they would have easily won against Milwaukee, but 
the fact is neither of them were healthy all season. So I don't know why people were expecting them to all of a sudden be full health in the playoffs. Even um, KD was out for part of the season. So it's yeah. like thinking all three would magically just be healthy for too much stretch isn't something you can even like fathom. Like it doesn't stuff like that doesn't just happen. Right. And they had a decent off season. I mean, they got some draft capital back with that Spencer Dinwiddie trade, which they desperately needed after the James Harden trade. And uh, I and think they lost some when they did the sign and trade for Kevin Durant as well. Yeah, they retained Blake Griffin, uh, trade away Dinwiddie. What do you think? I think, I mean, keeping Blake on a veteran minimum is criminal. Uh, I've heard that people assume that was kind of indicated in the buyout that Blake would do that. And then wait till next year to sign a big contract because you're assuming he's going to get paid again because all of a sudden he was resurrected from the shell that he was in Detroit. They also re-signed Bruce Brown Jr. to one year, 4.7 mil. I, I like that a lot. They traded away Shamit to the Phoenix Suns for Javon Carter in a first-round pick. Just kind of like whatever. Uh, but what I do like that they did was sign Patty Mills as a backup guard. So if you got Harden or you got Kyrie missing any time, Patty Mills is like the perfect guy that you want filling in. He he does a lot of the stuff Kyrie does to a lot lesser degree, uh, but he's a guy you trust. He's a savvy veteran, and he can really play around all these stars that you have in Brooklyn. He doesn't need to take 10 shots a game. He's going to hit timely threes. He's going to make timely plays, and... I think he fits perfectly in case someone goes down in that guard rotation for him again. Yeah, I agree completely. I think Patty Mills was probably the most like underrated signing of this offseason. Six mil a year is a, a very team-friendly deal for the Nets. Patty Mills slotting into this backup point guard role is really, really good for the Nets because they lack depth. And that's kind of what got them killed in the playoffs, like I said before. Um, and having Patty Mills slide into this role will be important because, like you said, they, he can replace Kyrie and James Harden in that playmaking and scoring role. And he can spread the floor and defer to KD. I mean, he's kind of a, a Swiss Army knife in that way. Yeah, the most interesting thing I think about the Nets is what they're going to do at center. They kind of went away from DeAndre Jordan. Uh, I think they'll start Blake at center uh, for the majority of the year. Uh, They also have Nick Claxton, who fit in nicely and played nicely with their stars. But other than that, the Nets are going to be top two, top three seed in the East again next year, uh, barring that everybody stays healthy. And I would think they're the favorites over the Lakers. Uh, going into the season uh, just on a team-to-team basis. I like the Nets' chances better. Yeah, their their roster seems like it fits a lot better than the Lakers' roster with Harden, Kyrie, Joe Harris, KD, Blake Griffin, bringing all of them back. They'll have a little more chemistry. Joe Harris might hit some shots every once in a while. Patty Mills (laughs) filling in the six-man role. Joe Joe Harris, he he could be in a tough spot. He, He could easily be on his way out. 
if he doesn't perform the playoffs this year like he did not the last few years. But I think that's enough on the Nets. Uh, next, we'll move over to the Miami Heat. We had a lot of moves. Landed themselves Kyle Lowry in a sign-and-trade. Three years, 90 mil, which is a lot for Lowry. He's getting up there. He's taking a lot of shots, takes a lot of charges. The trade hasn't been pushed through yet. It's getting pushed through Friday the 6th, most likely. Looking like Goran Dragic, Precious Achu, and a second-round pick going back to Toronto. I don't think Dragic stays over there. I think he either gets traded again, bought out, or waived, most likely, by Toronto. And if he doesn't, I like that for Toronto. They signed Jimmy Butler to a four-year, 184 max extension. Duncan Robinson gets paid, undrafted, out of Michigan. Gets five years, 90 mil. And then, like we mentioned earlier, they signed P.J. Tucker and then retained a couple other of their younger guys in Max Struss and Gabe Vincent. Uh, Oladipo, who was on a carousel of teams, landed over there. He's still on the roster. I think he's still injured, so it'll be interesting where he fits in in the grand scheme of things. But with all the moves, I don't know if it really changes what they had last year. They definitely spent a ton of money in one day because i was looking on that first day of free agency just kind of refreshing twitter at five o'clock or six o'clock whenever it started and it's like kyle lowry three years 90 million and then shortly after that it was jimmy butler max extension and i was like wow how much money do they have and then it was like a half hour later duncan robinson five years 90 million and i was sitting here i'm like how how much money did the Heat have? I thought that they were up against the cap. No, they they did this because they're thinking Giannis was going to leave. So they, they had all the money. The Knicks had a bunch of money. And the Mavericks had a lot of money. And so those were the teams that you've seen spending the most because you can't just let money sit there. you got to pay somebody. And since Giannis stayed with Milwaukee, that's where you've seen all these guys getting big deals. But I don't think – I mean, you got to pay Jimmy Butler – and I think you got to pay Duncan Robinson because other teams are throwing bag at him if you're not going to pay him. So like the Kyle Lowry one is a little interesting. I heard that he had other offers for two years, 50 million elsewhere. So you can see how, I mean, 90 million, 30 million a year is, ooh, but yeah, like, like you said, it seems like the kind of moved pieces for other pieces that do a lot of the same thing. When they went to the finals in the bubble year, Jay Crowder was so big for them at the power forward spot. And last year you had Trevor Reza trying to be that, but Trevor Reza is not the same sort of player that Crowder is from like a shooting confidence wise. Crowder does a lot of the intangible stuff. So I don't know if they're starting PJ Tucker in that spot at power forward. I would think so. I don't think you're starting Markeith Morris. So again, PJ is going to do a lot of the defending that Crowder does, but Crowder has games where he's hitting seven, eight, nine threes. You're not going to get that from PJ Tucker. Not to mention Crowder can shoot it from all around the arc where PJ is more of that corner specialist guy. I, I don't think they're favorites by any means. I think they're kind of back to what they were two years ago, which again, I was kind of fluky as it was in the bubble season that they had. Their starting lineup screams heat culture to me with Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, 
Jimmy Butler, PJ Tucker, and Bam being uh, a bunch of dogs, as PJ Tucker would probably say. Very um, true. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's a it's a good starting lineup. It lacks shooting. It it really does. I mean, Kyle Lowry's a good shooter. Duncan Robinson's a knockdown shooter. But Jimmy's not a good shooter. PJ <laughs> and corner specialist. Yeah. I mean, if you see some of the shots that went off the side of the backboard in the Sun <laughs> Series, <laughs> and, then, and then Bam is working on extending his range every offseason. But again, you th- I think they're hoping that the sophomore slump by Harrow last year is done and he'll go back to being, oh, I'm going to randomly score 37 points in a playoff game, stuff like that. The Oladipo thing is an interesting wrinkle. I don't know when he'll be back. I don't even remember what his injury was. But if you got Oladipo as your seventh man, you're looking at Markeith Morris as your eighth. That's pretty good rotation. Bam is the only real center you have on the roster. You have nobody behind him other than Dwayne Dedman. I don't think they want to trot out Udonis Haslam at all. Other than for the respect. Udonis Haslam is essentially an assistant coach at this point. (laughs) He's there to yell at people and uh, get technical fouls and get tossed out of a game just so people remember who he is and what he stands for. And that's heat culture, baby. (laughs) So other than that, if they have any sort of injury at the five, things could get ugly. I don't know how much room they still have or what they've got left as far as the roster goes, especially because they traded away Precious Achua in the sign-in trade. He was basically the depth behind Bam. Uh, I think it'd be interesting if they signed someone like Aaron Baines to a veteran minimum. He got waived by Toronto. Just get another big guy back there behind Bam just in case, because like we've seen last year, guys are dropping like flies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Also, I thought Precious was pretty good for them last year as a depth guy and moving him to get Kyle Lowry makes sense for what they're trying to do. But I really kind of like that as a trade piece for Toronto going forward. I mean, another guy who looked really good in international play in the Olympics. Well, just touching on Toronto quickly. I mean, they really don't have a center outside of I mean they're playing Pascal Siakam center minutes but other than that since they waived Aaron Baines I mean you're looking at Ken Birch who they just brought back three years 20 mil and then you're looking at like Chris Boucher who is still more of a power forward he's not the biggest guy he's a good shot blocker but he really can't hold up against a guy like Joel Embiid or Andre Drummond or anything like that. Precious will be used quite a bit there and we'll have a lot of room to grow in that nick nurse system which i think will be really good for him yeah me too nurse is hell of a coach and he knows how to bring the best out of guys so i think i think that's all i had on miami uh, again i think they're probably in that three four five seed but i i don't think they're up there with brooklyn and milwaukee as far as eastern conference goes Talking about the top of the Eastern Conference, uh, the four-seed Knicks were uh, making some moves. They had a lot of cap as well, expecting Giannis in free agency. They used it on Evan Fournier, and a lot of people were a little bit disappointed. But I think it was a pretty fair deal 
for Evan Fournier, who can score, and he did some facilitating with the Magic. For a little bit of context, people in Fournier's range of four years, 78 mil. Joe Harris is making 75 for four years. Eric Gordon, 75 and a half for four years. Davis Bertans, 80 million for five years. That's that disgusting. <laughs> Miles Turner, 80 mil for four years. Zach Levine also is right around there, but he's up after this season and he's probably going to get an extension. Um, so I just kind of didn't include him in this, but it seems like he's better than Joe Harris and Eric Gordon Bertans. And then miles Turner is a little bit better than him, but it's, it feels like the right range for a contract. Yeah. Another guy, Tim Hardaway jr. Just got a very similar contract to resigned with Dallas four years, 74 million. And I, I would put Fournier above Tim Hardaway jr. Especially as a, ball handler playmaker so i really like the move i think it adds the shooting that the knicks needed and the more ball handling that they can get out of the shooting guard slash guard position not to mention uh they get kemba walker from the buyout uh he was traded from the celtics to okc for al horford moses brown and second round pick and then he was waived by OKC or bought out by OKC, my bad. And then the Knicks picked him up. So the Knicks get their point guard. It's, it is not the Chris Paul. It's not the Damian Lillard that they're hoping they could try to swindle in a trade. But I like what they put together with getting Kemba and getting Evan Fournier and then basically re-signing everybody else. Julius Randle, four-year, $117 million max extension. So you're looking at same group of starters, but better guys playing the guard spots with Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier over Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock. So you got Kemba, Fournier, RJ Barrett, who's proving to be a pretty good NBA player, Julius Randle, who took a huge step last year, and then Mitch Robinson or New Orleans Noel, man in the center spot. Uh, they resigned Alec Burks, three-year, third million. Like that contract a lot. Bring back Rose on three-year, forty-three. I think that's a little expensive. And then you know Tibbs got to keep around Taj Gibson with the one-year veterans minimum. But other than that, uh, the Knicks, I think they got better than they were last year. Absolutely, I like the starting lineup. It would be great to see Kemba kind of come back into his own because it's been hard to watch with his injuries and he's been looking kind of like a shell of himself so i hope that he comes back into kind of that charlotte-ish form with the knicks it would be a lot of fun to have him and msg lighting it up going for 35 40 and having the full arena kind of erupting but last year i felt bad for julius randall because against the Hawks in that playoff series, he was struggling. But also, he didn't have a ton of help. <clears throat> no. Uh, they brought him help. Uh, World Wide West is doing his thing to make a real franchise in New York. And hopefully soon this starts to become a free agent destination. Because the, when the Knicks are good, the NBA is fun. You want the Knicks to be good. You want the Lakers to be good. I don't want the Celtics to be good. Uh, you want the Bucks to be good. Yes. 
yeah, Mitchell Robinson coming back should be pretty big. I think that that's their guy because, in my opinion, he's better than Nerlens Noel. And they still gave Nerlens Noel three for 32, which is a fair contract. But these days when you can get, like, Ken Birch for three for 20, yeah, I, I don't know why you're paying Nerlens Noel three for 32. But he's kind of a culture guy, and he did a lot for them last year. So he, he definitely earned it. But, yeah, Mitchell Robinson coming back should be pretty big for this team. And um, I'm excited to see what that backcourt can do coming into New York. Yeah, big men in the NBA are a lot of like running backs in the NFL. You can pluck them out of anywhere, pay them minimally, and they're going to produce pretty much the same across the board. Um, Obviously, with the exceptions with both running backs and centers on certain teams, or you've got the all NBA MVP candidate guys. Other than that, I think the Knicks will still be in that four, five, six seed range. I think they'll avoid the playing game, I would assume, just with the cohesiveness that they have, bringing a lot of the same guys back, a lot of the same roster, and then plus adding two very capable scoring guards. Uh, defense might be a little issue, but as you see in the NBA, if you can score on your 25 points a game, what's it matter if you can't play defense? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, connection with the Knicks, with Derrick Rose, Taj Gibson, and Tom Thibodeau, <laughs> going to the Bulls, who had a wild offseason as well. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, we're going to the T-Wolves, <laughs> but, but you're right. Yeah, the Bulls. So, you're right. Uh, they got Lonzo in a yes. sign and trade on a pretty good deal, four for 85. They bring in Caruso from the Lakers, four for 37. And DeMar DeRozan was the latest addition, three for 85. Uh, what are your thoughts on these additions for the Bulls? I love the Lonzo Ball contract. I love Lonzo in general. I think any team that would have been able to get him, I think New Orleans are a bunch of fools not retaining Lonzo, a guy that Zion said he likes playing with, and you go against that. That is very uh, a Packers-esque going against your best player on your team and letting a guy go like that, not to mention getting back Tomas Sadoransky, Garrett Temple, who are not going to help you in any way Im- impactfully. Don't forget about that second-round pick. I, I'm sure it'll turn into someone great, but I think Lonzo's gotten better every year he's been in the league. I think he's getting better defensively. He's really good off-ball defensively, and... He's been proven to be a coachable player. All that stuff with Labar and Big Baller Brand that was like hovering over him is gone. You don't hear about it at all. He's a really mellow guy. Not to mention he's an incredible table setter. And his shooting over the last few years has improved incredibly. So you're getting a pass first and reliable shooter out of your point guard position. Then you've got Zach Levine, who's becoming more of a distributor. He did a lot of it last year. Plus, you've got now DeMar DeRozan, who's 
relatively good scorer still in the league. He hits big shots. He's really good in the mid post, really good at mid range. And then you probably got Patrick Williams starting at power forward. And then you got Vucevic at center. So you've got really good guys now as a starting lineup. Not to mention you get Caruso filling in for depth on that team. So I I like the Bulls roster up and down now. And I think that they could easily push for a three seed depending on what goes down in Philadelphia. I think I liked every move that the Bulls have made this offseason. It seems like there's been a Lonzo renaissance when it comes to the media kind of coming back around on him. Uh, he got a lot of bad rap his first couple of years with the Lakers. He had the ugly shot. He had LeVar, like you said, but that's all behind him. And he is a really fun player and he's really good. And then Zach Levine is blossoming and becoming a star. Great shooter, great shot creator. Damar, great shot creator as well. It seems like they have a roster that's built right. Vucevic seems like he's kind of the wild card. At the end of last season, he wasn't playing great, but I can see that improving as time goes on. But I want to kind of talk about their offense, how it'll probably work, because Lonzo, as good of like a passer as he is, I feel like they would be better off going through Vucevic in the half court and kind of running their offense around him since he's such a good playmaker. And then Lonzo in transition with Zach Levine and DeRozan is going to be a, a problem to deal with. What, what do you think about Vucevic being their kind of offensive hub? Yeah, I think it can work. He's a guy that can stretch it out to three. He's a pretty good passer in himself. And he's he can score at all three levels. You, you can get it to him on the block. You can get it to him in the high post. And again, you can get it to him at the three-point line and he can shoot it. So if you're looking at it from just a half-court perspective, their offense is going to be really good. You've got three guys that you can go to in any situation. With Lonzo being a spot-up shooter, not to mention, DeMar DeRozan's a pretty good spot-up shooter, and Zach Levine's a pretty good spot-up shooter, and Vucevic is a good spot-up shooter. So you've got guys that can pop the ball around and score. Not to mention, like you said, Zoe running in transition with Zach Levine catching half-court lobs and DeMar DeRozan running. I think the offense is going to be extremely well-rounded. Uh, defensively, Zach Levine's been putting in a lot more effort, which is what you like to see. Uh, get, having Alex Caruso as a backup guard is really good. That's a really good defensive guard. So, and then not to mention the Patrick Williams, who's pretty much focusing on defense only, which is the type of guy you need it, with him rounding out your starting lineup. You can put him on the score for the other team. That means you don't have to have DeMar on them and then they can still save it for the offensive end. You can get it. You can get out and run. You'll have Vucevic trailing plays. He's a really good knockdown three from the top of the key. So I, I really like what the Bulls got going here. The one thing is in the sign and trade with DeRozan, um, they traded away a 2025 first round pick. And that's interesting because 
DeRozan is going to be a free agent in 2024, and Vucevic will be a free agent in 2023. And then, as I said before, Zach Levine is going to be a free agent after this coming season. So there's a situation where these guys leave the team, and you have a core of Lonzo and Caruso, and that 2025 first round pick could be extremely valuable. I guess, but I mean, you you kind of seen it last year. They traded a first for Vucevic, and then Zach Levine goes out three weeks with COVID, and then all of a sudden they're not making the playoffs into the 10th seed. But they still turned around. They got guys like this. I think players want to go to Chicago. I think it's, I think teams. Like Chicago, like you got the LA teams, Miami guys want to play there. They're good cities. They're the big marquee cities. So I, I think they'll be fine. It's, I, I get what you're saying, uh, but the odds of them not being able to retain at least one of those guys, I, I think Levine will resign. I think Chicago has been great to him. I think he likes Tibbs. So I, or not Tibbs, they just got a new coach. Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, uh, just just touching on that, Levine in a uh, recent interview said that he wants his respect when he was asked about his contract situation. So that's the only reason I bring it up because I don't know if uh, contract talks are going awry with him or if all is good and he just is saying things, but... We can move on to the team that traded away Lonzo Ball. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, I assume you have a lot of thoughts about them. Well, they start things off with this wild trade with the Grizzlies, which makes no sense. They uh, take on Jonas Valanciunas for Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, I think it was pick 10 and then a pair of seconds. They send back Jonas 17 in a second. And that's just like, okay, how does that help them now? He doesn't do anything like on the defensive end that Steven Adams did that takes pressure off of Zion and lets Zion do Zion things. I guess he can stretch the floor more from three, but that's not, where you want Jonas Valanciunas, the guy had multiple 2020 games last year for the Grizzlies. He's basically a scorer and rebounder, which, guess what? Zion's a scorer and a rebounder. <laughs> so what you want at your center position next to Zion is a guy that can guard the other team's ball-dominant scoring big guy. Just so you can have Zion fresh, playing help side defense, helping block shots, and you can have Zion out running in transition. So that for starters doesn't make sense. And then you've got the Chris Paul optimism that you're like, all right, we're gonna wait. We're gonna wait. We're gonna see, ooh, if we can sign Chris Paul. He likes Willie Green. You know, we just came over from the Suns. You know, it's gonna be great. We'll, we'll get Chris Paul, he'll leave Phoenix and he'll be our point guard and everything will be good. That doesn't happen. It's like ah oh. all right, we'll we'll get Kyle Lowry, right? And he'll bring good culture over to New Orleans. And well, guess what? That doesn't happen either. And so after that, you already traded Lonzo thinking one of those are going to happen. 
So now, now I guess you're starting Kyra Lewis Jr. at point guard, who showed some good flashes last year. But other than that, you ain't got a point guard. And then you decide to trade for Devontae Graham. And you just you're like, hey, Charlotte, here's a first. We'll take Graham for four years, 47. Devontae Graham was barely a starter in Charlotte. I don't know if he's going to start at two. I don't know if they're going to start a guy like Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Because, I mean, Eric Bledsoe was their starter at two. Who I don't think is even going to be sticking around with the Grizzlies. I'm assuming they trade him again, buy him out. But the Pelicans are <laughs> not making a case for himself. And Zion and Brandon Ingram are checking their watches every single day. Like, damn, when can I get out of here? I had on our list of future podcast ideas, I had a subtopic of why Zion will sign his rookie extension. Man, they're making that case hard as hell to make. <laughs> Poor Zion, man. Well, hey, it's gonna, hey, he's going to get paid. <laughs> and he's not going to have to live in <laughs> New Orleans anymore. This franchise... Yikes. They could be gone. They could be moved. <laughs> you could be looking so, at Seattle. Supersonics. Yeah, say, Seattle deserves the team. I, I'm just going to talk about Zion and how I feel bad for him because this is awful for him. And I, I'm sad. <laughs> so this is their third coach in three years. They tried Stan Van Gundy. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Nobody wants to listen to him yell. <laughs> Nobody. Eric Bledsoe had a play that he didn't know what he was doing. Oh, shocking. And after the game, he's like, oh, I wasn't listening to him in the huddle. <laughs> he just said that. Well, he also tweeted, I don't want to be here in Phoenix. And the next thing you know, he was gone. I, I'm sad. Uh, why... <laughs> That's I'm just I'm gonna leave it there. Why? Why are they the way that they are? And what's what's even worse is now they're still gonna get all these nationally televised games just because they have Zion. <laughs> this team's gonna be dog shit to watch. Like awful. This is gonna be worse than watching Westbrook and LeBron try to play at once. They traded for Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> And then they traded them away for <laughs> picks, <laughs> pick 17, and then overdrafted a guy. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know the direction that this franchise can go in a positive manner. And I don't know why they got any of the people that they acquired this offseason. I <laughs> want to watch this team because Zion is electric. Uh, I like Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and I like Brandon Ingram sometimes, uh, but I hate everybody else on this roster. It makes me sad that <laughs> Zion in his athletic prime has to deal with this. And I hope he gets traded to the Knicks. I hope he gets traded to Charlotte. 
so he can be with another ball brother that could throw him half-court lob. Lonzo was literally the perfect point guard to have next to this man. Drew Holiday was also somebody really good to pair with him. (laughs) And they took on Eric Bledsoe. They traded Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball for a bunch of garbage. (laughs) And we're just supposed to be like, yeah, that's cool. Can somebody veto a trade? Adam Silver, can you veto a trade when you're like, hey, I want this guy to be a future face of the league? Can you just be like, yeah, no, you guys can't do that because that's dumb. Can he just trade Zion to a different team? You force drop him off of the roster, please, so everybody can put in their waiver and then uh, anybody else can have Just, dude, if you went to Charlotte, isn't he a North Carolina kid? I think he's a Carolina kid. He's from Wilmington, South Carolina. South Carolina, there you go. That's oh, so get him, get him with Lamelo. Think about that. That'd be I, great. I'm all the way in. I just want him out of New Orleans. I wanted to make the case of him signing the rookie extension because you make just a boatload more money. But guess what? I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm not making that case. It's off of the podcast ideas. Put him somewhere where he can be electric and play playoff games and beat people's shots and dunk the ball and be happy. Okay? I want to see him smile. Me too. Me too. Uh, anyway. <laughs> enough enough with the, the, the depressing. Yeah, let's uh, get away um, from the funeral of the New Orleans Pelicans. Well, we can quickly touch on... Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, who traded with the Pelicans to get Eric Bledsoe and Stephen Adams, they end up drafting Zaire Williams at 10, which a lot of people didn't like. Again, I don't know enough about him to comment. So I'm assuming their stars look like Ja, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Jaron Jackson Jr., and Stephen Adams, if Stephen Adams is even still there by the time the season starts. I'm assuming he will be, considering I don't think they have anything good enough like Jonas Valanciunas was to even fill that spot. So I think the Grizzlies will be better than the Pelicans, obviously, because the Pelicans look like a flaming shithole. But other than that, uh, don't have much else going on on the West. I mean, the Spurs, they traded DeMar, lose Patty Mills, (laughs) signed Zach Collins to three years, 22 million. (laughs) Guys never played. Um, So I, I don't know what's going on there. They got Al Aminu and Thad Young back from the Bulls with for DeRozan. They're bringing back Bryn Forbes. Uh, signing Dougie McBuckets, I like that. That's kind of cool. Uh, but this is going to be a young team, and I think it could be Pop's last year because he hates young guys. If I was G-Pop, I'd just retire after winning the gold medal. I don't know why. Just let Becky Hammond run it with these young guys and kind of grow with them I because – I don't think G-Pop's going to be good for their development. I don't think he has the patience to try to develop young talent anymore. I mean, he has the resume. If he can top it off with the gold medal, go out on top, close the book, and it's all written, and you're going to the Hall of Fame within the year. I don't know how it works for coaches, but that's what I would do if I was the NBA. Um, 
They, I mean, I don't hate the off season, but I don't like it either. I mean, it's a very Spurs off season. Uh, Zach Collins has a lot of potential. He's been injured a ton. I like for him that he signed a three-year deal. I'm sure he could have got more money on a one-year deal, but signing the longer term gives him some security in case he gets hurt again. If he doesn't get hurt again, there's a lot of room to grow for him, and he's he's got a lot of skills, and I think he was a lottery pick at one point. McDermott can score, and they need scoring. And, I mean, the rest of the guys they brought in, are all pieces. They're all names. They're all guys. I mean, it's it's not going to be anything crazy entertaining to watch because it's still going to be the Spurs. I mean, DeJounte Murray's kind of fun, but outside of that, it's Derek White, Kelvin Johnson, Zach Collins, and Jakob Pertl. So, I mean, the Spurs are going to spur. They're going to be bad. It's going to be a bad team. Not going to make the playoffs or anything like that so it's they're just kind of there you're uh, talking about another bad team <laughs> not really but, uh, <laughs> what you thinking let's uh just quickly touch on the minnesota timberwolves <laughs> I, I told a friend that <laughs> i would uh mention them they traded ricky rubio for torian prince and a second and cash considerations yes why if you're cleveland would you do that because you're still trying to move Colin Sexton because the defense tells players on their team that, hey, he's not going to pass you the ball. <laughs> I, don't, right. I don't think I'd like to play with Colin Sexton. No offense. Um, and Cleveland <laughs> is another dumpster fire. I mean, okay, I, I shouldn't say that. I like Evan Mobley a lot from what I've heard. If you've got him playing the four as a playmaking big, you still got Jarrett Allen, who signed the big deal, five years, 100 mil. You got Jetty, Isaac Okoro, Darius Garland is more of a point guard, I think, than Colin Sexton is. So they've got some young guys, again, as they had. Uh, I like Ricky Rubio. He's still a very serviceable point guard. He started in the wake of D'Angelo Russell, who was like hurt and then not hurt all year for the Timberwolves. So Cleveland, I... I don't mind it. I'm not big on a Torian Prince. Anything, I am indifferent about him no matter what. It's always funny when a guy gets traded for cash considerations. <laughs> like like Daniel Tice. <laughs> the Bulls sent him to Houston just for money. They're yeah. like, hey, take him. I We don't want him. Um, yeah, you got you got a 20-piece on you? I'll, I'll take 20 <laughs> bucks, bro. I just need to get lunch. You can have Daniel Tice. Go ahead. Um, but on, on the Timberwolves front, you're looking at D'Lo. Uh, Malik Beasley was really good. I don't know what happened outside of he ran into some trouble with the law last year, and then all of a sudden he didn't play a lot. He was out a lot. Anthony Edwards. I was watching some Anthony Edwards interviews, and that <laughs> man is funny. <laughs> Man's comedy gold. He doesn't care. He's just he just be talking. <laughs> yeah, he, he said that I think he could be like – the best hitter in the MLB and the best pitcher. He said that he could throw like a hundred mile an hour fastball and he could have been a professional football player. <laughs> he has the attitude of Deion Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he's big, irrational confidence guy. And, and, and he can play. I, I did not watch, I think a second of Timberwolves basketball last year, but I know that, uh, 
he was really good for him. Uh, Jaden McDaniels came along as the season went on, uh, starting at par forward. And and Cat is Cat. He's he's good, but uh, he's a lot like Anthony Davis. They're really good, top talent, but it just doesn't seem like they can lead a team to the promised land, which is kind of why AD jumped ship when he finally was able to. But other than that, I mean, I think they're going to be the same team there last year. They'll be 13th, 14th, 15th in the West, probably fighting New Orleans down there in the trenches and in OKC, depending on if they want to rest the Canadian Shea Gilgis Alexander or not. Yeah, <laughs> I don't hate their starting lineup, uh, but I hate the rest of their lineup. Jared Culver, (laughs) as a stinker. Uh, Jaden McDaniels is good. He's good at basketball. Uh, Anthony Edwards, also good at basketball. D'Lo, I think, is now overrated. Extremely. Beasley, uh, it's, like you said, a weird situation with him. And Cat, I think, is underrated at this point. I think since he's Agreed. on a, a crap team, he doesn't get kind of the, the respect he deserves. He's like a, a walking 26 and 12. Yeah. And he can he's probably the best shooting center in the league right now. So hopefully they can get him some help because I, I like Anthony Edwards. He's going to be he's he's best with the ball in his hands attacking so i don't know how d'lo fits in but he's cat's buddy and they want to keep cat in town so i always wanted cat to somehow end up on the warriors because i think that would be the perfect center to go like just get the best shooting player at every position and put him on the warriors um i think that would be cool for cat uh not so cool for the timberwolves but but (laughs) cool for golden state and in cat Speaking of the best shooting player at their position, Steph Curry signed a max extension with the Warriors. Fatty. Yeah, yeah. $215 million <laughs> over four years. Uh, that's nuts. He's the second highest paid player in the NBA behind Giannis. Uh, they also acquired Nemanja Bielitsa, which I like, and Otto Porter, which I also like. Apparently turned down more money elsewhere because he's tired of being a journeyman on crap teams. And he wants to win some basketball games. They're looking like Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and Wiseman, which is a lineup that makes sense if Wiseman can develop over this offseason. I like the team, and I think they're going to be really good next year. I think Golden State Warriors are a good dark horse team to win it all. I think they'll be top three. When you have Steph and Clay back, plus Draymond is still... Really good doing Draymond stuff. So if Wiseman can learn the offense, just learn the offense and let Draymond direct you on defense, you guys, they're going to be fine. I like Bielitz a lot. I like the Otto Porter signing a lot. Two good, serviceable guys. Uh, You've got Jordan Poole still, which was a really good guy off the bench. So I I think they're going to be right back up there in the running. I did like that they... Traded away Eric Paschal. Do you remember where he ended up? Utah. That's right. Uh, I like that U- pickup for Utah. Yep. Utah moved Derek Favors to OKC. So you're looking at the backup power forward spot. I don't know if he'll be able to play center for him. 
Uh, but they did lose Georges Niang to the 76ers in free agency, who was kind of their seventh man. Rudy Gay, like also on the Jazz. Yes. So they got a little more exciting. <laughs> they got an exciting <laughs> play. The Jazz players are always bored. Mike Conley resigned. Yeah, I, I like Golden State. I like the chances in the in the West. I think they'll take a step forward. I think the Jazz take a step backward this year. Granted, they're bringing all the same guys back, but Rudy Gobert has proven to be a real issue in the playoffs. Uh, they locked in by Connolly three years, 72 and a half mil. Um, they signed Whiteside. Oh, <laughs> is... that's who I was thinking. I knew they got some some veteran minimum old center. Yeah, who's basically the same as Rudy Gobert, but doesn't <laughs> do Gobert things as good. Yeah, so I I don't know if that really helps him. Dollar bin Rudy Gobert. Yeah. As far as the rest of the teams in the West, uh, the Suns brought back a lot of guys. They got Shamit in the trade with the Nets. Uh, so they'll have the same starters. Chris Paul signed the four-year 120-mil extension. Uh, kept Cameron Payne, kept Frank the Tank, Abdul Nader. Uh, they signed JaVale McGee, which is huge having the backup center behind Aiton, especially McGee, a guy that's been on winning teams. He knows what it takes. I really like JaVale as a backup center because he's always going to come in and play hard, really good rebounder, really good shot blocker really good on the glass. So I like that a lot for the Suns. I'll, I don't see the Suns being top three seed again. Granted, they'll have all the pieces to run it back, but it's just hard to see them being better than Lakers or the Warriors. What do you think is going to be the third seed if not the Suns? I think the Nuggets will be back up there. Okay. I mean, they, they really only lost JaVale. Uh, they re-signed Will Barton, re-signed Jermichael Green, re-signed Austin Rivers, and then they get Jeff Green in free agency. I like that a lot. Murray will probably be out until, I think, March, April. You still have Michael Porter Jr., who took another step ahead next or last year. You'll have Aaron Gordon with a full off-season training camp, and you've got the MVP in Jokic. I think they'll be right at the top again. That's fair. I like that. That's that's a good pick. I could see the Suns being in that three seed at the end of the year, but definitely the Nuggets will be up there. I kind of forgot about them with that Jamal Murray injury, but I think they can patch it together with those guys that uh, you're talking about. Another team that uh, has an MVP candidate, the Dallas Mavericks with yes. Luka Doncic, who unfortunately lost in the Olympics. Today. Oh, and 17-1. I, I, was, I was watching that game because I work early in the morning, and fortunately uh, I had some time to pull it up on my phone. And for some reason, Luka didn't get the last shot when they're down one with 14 seconds left. Criminal. And the, the guy that ended up taking the shot, can't think of his name, sorry, uh, got his stuff beat off the glass by Nick Batum. And I just don't think that would have happened to Luka. So, uh, Serbia, you messed up. Slovenia. <laughs> Slovenia, Slovenia, you messed up. You messed up. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, the Mavericks, they were active in free agency because they had that leftover money from trying to get Giannis. What do you think? Uh, yep, bringing THJ back. Four years, $74 million. I like that a lot. He is a flamethrower in the playoffs last year. Uh, really underrated move. Getting Moses Brown 
from Boston for Jay Rich. Uh, Josh Richardson was atrocious last year and ended up getting benched. And he was like, they traded Seth Curry for him, which I wish they would have kept Seth Curry because uh, he's the turned into a really good ball handler. And not to mention, he's one of the best shooters in the league, if not arguably the best percentage-wise. Um, but they also bring in Reggie Bullock, who I'm assuming takes over that uh, Josh Richardson spot in the starting lineup, unless they go big and start THJ at the two, or I don't know. Their starting lineup kind of rotates. You got a lot of guys with Luca. Now you got Reggie Bullock in the mix, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, KP. Uh, sometimes they start Max Kleba, Dwight Powell. Moves around a lot, but uh, I like Doncic. He's really good. And they got the new coach, so we'll see how he runs this team. I, I I was reading some stuff about Moses Brown from the Thunder like beat reporters, and they were like, "Hey, don't take a lot of stock in these 2020 games because he's not that good at basketball. We know you're not actually watching our games, but Moses Brown has a ton to work on." So. I like having the young upside piece more than having Josh Richardson and the 2020 games can happen. So he obviously has a knack for getting the basketball and uh, he's big lanky and can catch lobs from Luca and block shots. So that's going to be nice coming off the bench instead of having Boban be your only backup big Uh and having him lumbering around and can't really switch on anybody. So Hey, that's why they go to zone. <laughs> so hopefully Moses Brown can be a little bit of an upgrade to their bench because Lord knows Luca needs a little bit of help too. Uh, the only reason I know Moses Brown's name is from DFS because he got starts with the Thunder and he was really cheap and he always paid off at his dollar amount. Uh, you mentioned Bobby. They brought back Bobby. Three-year deal. Uh, I like that. Um, other than that, uh, a lot of the same. With uh, Reggie Bullock swapping for Josh Richardson, pretty much. Uh, they also signed Sterling Brown, two years, $6.2 million. Uh, so I think, uh, I, uh, you know, Luke will take another step up. I think he's probably the front runner already for MVP, just like he was last offseason. He's really good. And the Mavericks will be really good again. I hope that they take another step and can cause some problems in the West. Speaking of a team that has an MVP candidate and could cause some problems in the West, the Portland Trailblazers with Damian Lillard did not get better. Nope. Uh, relatively boring. Uh, Resign Norman Powell, five years, 90 million. That's kind of ugly, but it is what it is. <laughs> they got good it's old. It's kind of ugly, Joe. It's very ugly. That's a <laughs> bad number for Norman Powell. I, okay. Yeah. I'd rather right. have Gary Trent. <laughs> I too would rather have Gary Trent. Uh, then they get. Good old Tony Snell, a <laughs> uh, guy that likes to just run around, doesn't do much while he's on the court. Uh, Cody Zeller, good backup center, uh, can play better defense than Ennis Cantor could. And then they signed Ben Macklemore. So it's going to be a lot of the same for Trailblazers. It'll be interesting if Dame sticks around or if he moves. Uh, but other than that, they're starting lineups Sam Dame, CJ, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, Yusuf Nurkic. Um, yeah, don't have much else to say about Portland. Speaking of a lot of the same, the L.A. Clippers didn't really change at all. They re-signed Nick Batum, but the person that they haven't re-signed, which is probably the most important part, 
is Kawhi Leonard, who the most recent reports are saying he is likely to re-sign with the Clippers, but is exploring other options, which has to make Clippers fans nervous because they're a cursed franchise and they traded everything to get Paul George to keep uh, Kawhi in town. So <laughs> what's going on here? Kawhi with the torn ACL, he's going to be out all year. I, I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen here. Uh, well, you know, I guess for starters, you hope Serge Ibaka's back is good because I think they missed him a lot being more of a small ball five. He's really good on the glass. He's really good on offense, not to mention he's still a pretty good shot blocker on defense. Probably sliding in Nick Batum, Marcus Morris into those starting minutes for uh, Kawhi until he gets back in what I'd assume is another guy probably back in March, April. So I think Clippers could be treading water for a lot of the season. Paul George is going to need to be MVP PG uh, like he was that one season with OKC and really need to put the team on his back if they want to stay afloat and avoid what Lakers went through last year. That is barring that Kawhi does resign with Clippers, which I'm assuming he will. Yeah, all signs are pointing that way, but you never know with Kawhi. He keeps everything pretty close to the vest. So speaking of MVP Paul George, what about the Pacers offseason? They had a pretty good signing with Torrey Craig, uh, TJ McConnell, bring him back four years, 35 mil. And then basically bringing back the rest of their starting lineup that they had last year and hoping everybody's healthy all year. Another kind of not very exciting. Uh, A lot of talk about Miles Turner's moving somewhere in a trade, putting DeMontis bonus at the five, and then probably adding shooting around somewhere in the starting lineup. Uh, You hope Warren's back and healthy. You hope Levert is back and healthy. You hope Brogdon can be healthy for a whole season. They re-signed TJ McConnell. I like that a lot. I think McConnell's a really good backup point guard that can fill in if uh, Brogdon goes down again. Other than that, uh, nothing special. Don't really have anything else to say about him. Where would you want Miles Turner to get traded to? I think he would fit in well in Dallas. He's also a guy I think that would fit in well next to Zion Williamson and could probably help out being he's a pretty good shot blocker. He uh, can stretch it out to three. He He's that defensive-minded center more than an offensive center. I think he led the league in blocks last year. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's a spot uh, that would make sense. I think he was, like, rumbled to go to the Spurs or something weird like that, too. But I think that would make the Pelicans not as bad. And Yeah, I, I, I think agree, because Miles could guard a center and he can stretch the floor and that's exactly what you need next to Zion. So David Griffin, um, please. Let's talk about the one guy that has not been traded. He does not stretch the floor. Ben Simmons, uh, has not been moved yet. He is sitting on the trade block and seems like the Sixers are like, Hey, Give me Steph Wiseman and four firsts, and I'll send you Ben Simmons. And the the whole league's like, yeah, I'm good. 
I don't want Ben Simmons, so I'm not going to give you my best player and then another piece and picks, and it seems like that's what the Sixers are asking for. Yeah, that's Daryl doing Daryl things, Um, just throwing these absurd offers out there and uh, hoping that one sticks, maybe. Um, I think the Sixers team is going to get worse. Um, you're probably starting Seth Curry at guard, uh, Danny Green at shooting guard, Tobias Harris at small forward. Wherever he goes, I think you're probably getting a forward back because I I assume Ben Simmons is more of a power forward than he is anything else. Granted, he plays the point position, but other than that, then you still got Joel Embiid. So it's hard to judge the 76ers team until Ben Simmons gets moved. Uh, they signed Andre Drummond to veteran minimum, which is really weird because him and Embiid are like one of the greatest battles <laughs> that the NBA has as far as two guys go and social media goes. Uh, Embiid, as we like to say, lives rent free in, <laughs> in Andre Drummond's head. So I thought that was weird. They waived George Hill. Obviously, he got picked up by the Bucks. Uh, they retained Furkan, Korkmaz, three years, 15 mil. And they signed Georges Nyang, two years, 6.7, which is, I mean, he's a, he's a guy. Cool. Uh, he's yeah. going to take that Mike Scott role, which is not playing a lot, but being your backup power forward, kind of. Did you see the picture of Joel Embiid dapping up Drummond on his way into the Sixers? No. It was Joel Embiid had this shit <laughs> on his face, and it was pretty clear that they still dislike each other, but they're going to be on the same team. It's almost the exact opposite of what's going on with the Lakers, where LeBron's getting his homies to come play for them, and then uh, Embiid gets no say in anything that the Sixers do. If you could trade Ben Simmons, what would be a, a realistic trade that you would make with Ben Simmons involved? I mean, obviously you're trying to figure out a way to send him to Portland for Damian Lillard. That That is the trade. After not sending him to Houston for James Harden last year, oof, you, you got you, you to get a guy like Dame to make it <laughs> make it make sense. Uh, other other than that, Daryl, uh, he he's gonna he'll get it done. He'll get it done, and he's gonna get the best deal possible because that's what Daryl does. Because Daryl doesn't care. <laughs> but other than that, there's no way you can let this guy walk into the building. Uh, from last thing I seen was Ben Simmons has cut almost all contact with everybody related to the 76ers, and he said, "I want to go to the Warriors." Cool. Good for you. I hope Daryl does the sort of Kawhi to the Raptors trade and sends him somewhere awful. Like, send him to the Kings or something. Send him to the Magic. The Kings for Buddy Heald and other stuff. And, like, Harrison Barnes. I think that'd be pretty good for the Sixers. And I don't care what happens with the Kings. We don't even need to talk about them because we're not talking about dumpster fires. Kings are right in line behind, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. It's funny because there was a deer and Fox trade on the table for Ben Simmons a, a while back. And I think the Sixers denied it. And I think they would ex- smash except on that trade. If it was 
offered today. I hope he gets traded and he's like a playmaking four somewhere instead of being like the focal point and like distributor in the offense. I hope he plays like a Draymond Green role somewhere because I think that's where he'd be best. I hope it's the magic or <laughs> something like that. The T Wolves for Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> that's, that's another another guy. Joel loves yeah, it lives rent free to say. Get all three of them on the same team. <laughs> That'd be ugly. Towns could probably play the four. I could see yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. He spaced the court better than Ben Simmons. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like Ben Simmons at all. <laughs> I just he, he was a guy that everyone's like, oh my god, when he puts it all together, he's gonna get so better next year. Next off season does absolutely nothing. Adds nothing to his game next year. Oh, he's gonna get so better next year. Does nothing to add to his game in the offseason. Oh, he's going to get so better next year. You've said it for his first four years in the league, and he's still the same player he was as a rookie. He shoots with the wrong hand. Everybody knows this by now. He refuses to shoot, too. And everything he does is relatively ugly that's not dunking the ball. Like, he's a decent passer, but when he finishes around the rim, it's like his wrist is like connected to his forearm. Like he has zero finesse around the hoop at all. It, it, shots just go up and they look like they're going up as bricks. He he shoots layups and it looks like they're like running hooks. It's really ugly. I, I don't like him at all. I think he's really overrated. I think he was always overrated. And you can tell because LeBron hasn't endorsed him for two years <laughs> about how good this guy could be ever since he drafted him in the 2019 uh, all-star game. So I don't like Ben Simmons. I want him to go to an awful team so I don't have to watch him or hear about him ever again. One team we didn't touch on was the Atlanta Hawks. They really didn't do anything special. They brought back all their guys. Trey Young, five-year, 207 Mex extension, uh, retained Lou Will, got DeLon Wright. Intertrade uh, with the Kings and the Celtics. I like that a lot. I like DeLon Wright as a backup point guard. Uh, Gorgie Dang, I like that. Um, with uh, Okongu being out after getting injured in the playoffs, I like that as a backup to Capella. Uh, they signed John Collins, five-year 125. I think that is huge. I think the way Trey and John work things out throughout last year was huge. And when they get DeAndre Hunter back, I think they're going to be really good again. Yeah, I am excited to see DeAndre Hunter play some consecutive games because he has showed flashes of being an excellent defender and good on offense. And I think he can be unlocked with this Hawks offense. And I... Hope as a high lottery pick, he can realize that without being injured too many more times throughout his career, because it always sucks when when you have these guys with tons of potential and you can see it flashing and they just can't stay healthy. So I'm rooting for DeAndre Hunter. I'm not rooting for the Hawks because they obviously are really good uh, because, as you saw, this past season, they made the Eastern Conference Finals and went to six against the Bucks. So it's they're they're definitely a good team, and I don't think they got any worse. Yeah, I agree. I can see them 
taking a step forward, the team's got to take them seriously. And outside of the Hawks, I think the only other team that is kind of relevant to touch on real quick is the Boston Celtics, mm. who I, you know, they did it's, stuff kind it's of. A, kind of a rough start for Brad Stevens so far. Yeah, you lose Fournier in free agency. You traded away Kemba, which is something they want to do. Got off of Tristan Thompson that I think they're all thankful for. Um, they got Josh Richardson back in the Moses Brown trade. They signed Cantor one year, 2.6. They got Horford back. They got Chris Dunn, Bruno Fernando back in the uh, Thompson deal. I still think they try to move Marcus Smart. They really don't have a point guard unless you're trying to Peyton Pritchard for... Uh, 82 games as their starter, which I think is not a good idea. Um, so we'll see. I think this team has more moves to do. Uh, but other than that, when you still got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who it seems like your window's kind of closing uh, with these guys. The the Pistons are also another interesting team who had an interesting offseason with the number one pick, Kate Cunningham, who by all accounts is one of the premier assets that have been in any of the recent drafts he's a big guard he can play make he can defend he's a knockdown shooter he's going to be playing on a bad roster he'll be a a league pass watch of mine for the first couple months of the season just to kind of see how he navigates being on a bad team team's really young I kind of like the guys they got. I like Sadiq Bey a lot, and I like Isaiah Stewart a lot. I think both those guys will start. Still got Jeremy Grant as their their one, I guess. And then you still got Killian Hayes. They also re-signed Saban Lee for a three-year deal, who's another young guy. So I think it's just going to be a young team. Going to be doing young team stuff. Going to be bad, all that. Kelly Olenek stays in the Central Division, which I absolutely hate i hate seeing kelly olenek i hate watching him play the only time i wouldn't hate him is if if we lost bobby portis and we could have signed kelly olenek that's the only time i wouldn't hate kelly olenek but i cannot stand him as far as other young teams magic young they're gonna suck they got jalen suggs he's gonna have the chip on his shoulder being selected fifth instead of fourth not by the raptors the raptors took scotty barnes they got faults. Hopefully Jonathan Isaac can be healthy. They got Wendell Carter Jr., who's only 22. They got Mo Wagner. They got Franz Wagner. Magic are boring. Uh, you got both of the Wagners. I'm pretty sure Mo's still there. From from the last thing I checked, I, I think he ended up there at the end of the year, and I think he's still there. If you want to check that. But the other team in the East that is young, that will be fun, still is the Charlotte Hornets who got rid of Devontae Graham. That's fine. Um, They signed Mason Plumlee. I like him as a better center than uh, Cody Zeller was last year, and uh, he's much better offensively and better playmaker than Bismack Biombo was. He had a triple-double last year, Mason Plumlee did, with the Pistons. So I like that a lot. Uh, They said Detroit a second-round pick and then took on Plumlee and a second, so that's cool. Lamelo's fun. I don't think they're going to be good, but I think they will be fun. That will wrap up our NBA talk. We tried to cover everybody that made a transaction this offseason so far. So 
if they weren't active at all in this offseason, then they didn't get touched on. Do you have a heat check? I got a heat check. Oh, baby. Okay, let's hear it. It's got to do with these Golden State Warriors. Because I think they're winning it all. Give me, give me Golden State. Give me Golden State as the two early 2022 NBA champions. Okay. Uh, I was pretty surprised when you called them a dark horse earlier in the podcast because they were one of the greatest teams of all time like two years ago. Yeah, they uh, had Kevin Durant. Okay. <laughs> Kevin Durant's not there anymore. Come on. It's it's true. I mean, a couple injuries and one guy leaving. I, I, I'll i give you that. But I, I could definitely see a path where the Warriors can be really good. And that kind of hinges on Clay Thompson. Yeah, well, Clay Thompson's just going to have to shoot the ball, which is what he does. You got Andrew Wiggins now who can be the primary defender on the other team's best wing player, which is good. You still got Draymond Green. Clay's not going to have to exert much energy on defense anymore like he had to in the earlier runs and just because you tear a ligament in your leg your jumper is still going to be there Kevin Durant proved that Um, you see a lot of guys still really good shooters they just lose a step on defense (laughs) KD was still an exception to that even so I, I love the Warriors here yeah if I could bet money on somebody i'd probably throw some down on the warriors because i could see them (laughs) with the chemistry that they have uh being more put together than the lakers and probably healthier than the lakers and steph has been playing out of his mind so i i like that pick i would dabble in some steph curry mvp uh if they're gonna be that good too yeah, you know he's going to have to be putting up points. I don't think he's going to be having to go super crazy like he was last year, and he pushed himself back into the running, but I think that he's the greatest shooter of all time. I'll double down on this heat check and uh, say that Steph Curry's top 10 all time. Mm. I have Steph Curry 10th. He's the greatest shooter of all time. So uh, a lot of the Warriors love on this pod. I I think they're going to be really good. I'm really excited to watch them be really good again because that offense is so fun. Watching Steph and Clay just not hit the rim on these wild shots is just amazing. And I'm I'm ready to get back on the bandwagon. Yeah, Steph being nuclear Steph last year was so fun to watch. And then him in like the play in games and with stakes at the end of the year, it was a lot of fun, especially after seeing last year when they sucked and he was injured. Yeah. It was so depressing that they lost to the Grizzlies. Cause it would have been way more fun because that Warriors team might've been able to shoot the lights out of that jazz team. I don't know if the Jazz would have been able to keep Gobert on the floor, just like the uh, Clippers figured it out, how Ty Lue figured out the small ball, because the Warriors could have played the same exact way. But, yeah, give me the Warriors, 2022 NBA champs. All right, so my heat check is not basketball-related, unfortunately. That's Hey, that's all right. Mine, mine usually are. I can't help it. So... 
uh, I'm just going to go out and say Najee Harris is going to be the RB1 next year. I think that these running back uh, tiers go in cycles, and it was the Kamara, McCaffrey, Saquon, Dalvin cycle. And I think that this uh, newer, younger cycle with Najee and like Gibson, and I was hoping Akers would be involved in that, but unfortunately he got hurt. Um, but I think this is the next uh, exciting young running back group. And I could see a path to Najee having a ton of touches and a ton of targets, especially in PPR. He's going to be incredible to have. Big Ben doesn't want to throw downfield anymore. He's going to be doing a lot of check downs. That O-line is awful. A lot of screens. So if you got Najee in a PPR format, start sizing the championship ring because that's your RB1, baby. I'm going to push back a little. I'm going to push back a little. Um. Uh, you're right. Offensive line's bad. Um, but last year that equated to a lot of passes to Deontay Johnson, their short yardage, which I like. My guy. Um, and I, I can see the path, but you also got to take in consideration. Big Ben's probably done after this year. You don't know who stepped in. If you got Mason Rudolph. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, <laughs> uh, but I would still put uh, Jonathan Taylor above Najee just because we seen it last year. And I think there's much more structure to a Frank Reich offense, no matter who's playing quarterback. I think that JT will still be successful because that Colts offensive line is spectacular. So but Nelson just got hurt. That's true. That is true. But they're but, still a tier above the Steelers without yeah. Quentin Nelson. So mm-hmm. I, I know what you're saying. Uh, I think the the hot hand approach with Frank Reich's offense could be troublesome for JT being in, being RB1. Uh, I could see him being top tier, definitely. And I could definitely see him being a better dynasty asset than Najee. But I just feel like this season he is going to be the RB1. All right. That's fair. That's fair. I would like to thank everybody for tuning in to the Firestarters podcast. Yep. We got a long one. Yes, sir. It's what we like. It's what we love. And then a little fantasy football top everything off. So we appreciate you guys listening and we will see you next week with probably some fantasy football content. Yes, sir. We got preseason football being played. We got a lot of training camp news. We'll see what's going on with Carson Wentz's foot. Uh, You got the Michael Thomas injury. We will touch on all of that next week. Let's make it a great week.